Welcome to Figures in the Dark, the podcast where we tell stories of all things murderous, paranormal, and terrifying that go on in the dark. My name is Tori. My name is Taylor Shea, or as you will hear often, Tay. And we are two roommates who have both a drastic love for everything murderous, paranormal, and terrifying. So we've always listened to podcasts, and we figure why not start one of our own. So welcome to the first yeah. episode. Um, yes, and to start us off today, a huge content warning for this case, we are going to be starting our very first episode with a, a real doozy. Jeez. So, the horrific murder of Sylvia Likens. Now, I know, so we're doing this thing where we know what the case is, the other one's researching, <laughs> but we don't know what it's about or what, um, like, what, what the content is. So, Tay's been talking about this for a while, and... She has been constantly being just warning, trigger warning, this, that, and the other, so I'm very interested to see what it's like, and I'm ready to be traumatized. Absolutely. So, huge content warnings for anything to do with child abuse, sexual abuse, obviously murder, torture, so this is going to have just about, like, every awful content that I could warn you of, absolutely fair warning. Not only is this going to be very long, it's probably going to be a multi-parter, but also that it is... A rough one, but I will get right into it. And preface: if you hear jingling in the background, that's our that's our ba- our, our fur babies, Powder and Pigeon. They are going to be the mo- the mascots of the podcast, but they're just kind of being all over the place. So, yes. just warning: I'll try to they edit most everything. of it out, but <laughs> you know, we'll see. Yes, but they join quite frequently. Yes. So I will start us off here. Okay. All right. On the evening of October twenty sixth. 1965, Gertrude Baninzinski led Indianapolis police officers to a bedroom in her home for the reason she had had one of the neighborhood kids call the police. Lying on a dirty mattress in the room of... uh, (laughs) In the room was the mutilated and brutalized body of 16-year-old Sylvia Likens. Gertrude claims to the police that Sylvia and her younger sister Jenny had been living with her for some time now, but a while before this, Sylvia had run off with a group of boys and returned to her home earlier that day in this condition, bare-chested and clutching a note that said that she had run off with this gang of boys, agreed to have sex with them, and that they had beaten her and left her in this condition. So she so she left with the boys. Yes. And then came home beaten to shit. Yes. And that's that. Yeah. With a weird note saying that this is what had happened to her. I'm sure that note is 100% truthful. Oh, I will read you that note later. (laughs) I have a lot of feelings and a lot of comments about that note in particular. But, yeah. So, her claim is that she had been nursing the girl and her injuries for the last hour before the police were called. Um... As the police stood there, completely shocked at the nature of the wounds covering Sylvia's emaciated body, Paula Banaszewski, the eldest daughter of this family, stood by clutching her Bible and said to everyone in the room, including Jenny Likens, Sylvia's younger sister, who was 15 years old at the time, mind you, that Sylvia's death was meant to happen and looks at Jenny and offers to let her to continue to live with them, and if so, they will treat her like a sister. Yeah, very weird. The police clearly are looking at this absolute horror show in front of them and pull Jenny aside and ask her what had happened to her sister. Mm -hmm. At first, Jenny tells them this was her story about Sylvia being a wild child and running off, just like Gertie had said. But as the police officers have her alone, she confirms that, and like confirms that nobody in the house can hear her. She whispers to the officers, you get me out of here and I'll tell you everything. Ooh, bitch. Yes. So now I'm going to take us all the way back and set up, set us up as to how we got there that night. So one of the biggest questions to ask is, how did these girls come to live with the Banazuskis? Yes. But first, like, let's just start with who was Sylvia Marie Likens. Sylvia was born January 3rd, 1949, to her parents Elizabeth Betty Likens and Lester Likens and was the third of their five children. So Sylvia had two older siblings, Mm -hmm. Daniel and Diana, and a younger brother, Benny, and her younger sister, Jenny, that was living in the house with her. So one of five? One of five. Gotcha, okay. She was the dead middle. So Sylvia was always described as friendly, bubbly, and pretty confident. Sylvia also went by the name Cookie to her friends. Oh, stop, that's so cute, I love that. Adorable. 
She loved music and liked the Beatles. She was always, she always smiled with her mouth closed though because of a missing tooth that she had had that one of her brothers had knocked out when she was playing with him when she was younger. And her parents said that she was always super helpful and started from a very, starting from a very young age, her, well, and like when she was in her young teens, she would often take on odd jobs, helping out neighbors to earn small amounts of money that she would oftentimes share with her mom. So she was always described as extremely protective over her younger sister, Jenny, who was only a year younger than her, but had suffered from polio when she was younger and had left her with one of her legs weaker than the other, making it so she had to wear a metal leg brace and had a limp when she walked. Mm. So the girl's parents were by no means financially well off and in all honesty, were just scraping to get by. The parents were carnies and often worked the carnival circuit. Uh, selling refreshments and snacks at carnival stands around Indiana throughout the summer. And because of this, they at times would move around a lot. Mm -hmm. So after a while of moving around, the parents became concerned about the the girls' safety and their education Mm -hmm. and felt that it was good, that it wasn't good to really bring the girls along with them. And at times they would send the girls to go off and live with their grandmother. So her parents would continue to take around their brothers with them. Mm-hmm. Um, they would help out with the stands and honestly just kind of help them to make some extra money having so, the boys around. So it was five kids. It was yes. Sylvia and her sister and there's two yes. boys. So two boys. Two boys. Yes. Her older sister, Diana and Daniel, who were at this point when this case happened, Diana, because Diana and Daniel were fraternal twins. Mm-hmm. They were, I think, like 19. So they They're were off gotcha. married. Okay. Diana was married, so she oh, wasn't yeah. going around with her parents. Gotcha. But um, I think her brother Daniel was not married, mm-hmm. and that uh, him and Benny would go along. Gotcha. With so then the, the two girls were the only ones yes. understood. Okay. Being sent away. Yeah, makes sense. So, but Jenny and Sylvia would normally be living with their grandparents, and their older sister Diana would, like I said, she was off on her own at this time, kind of just doing her own thing. Mm-hmm. So, in June of 1965, Betty had been arrested for shoplifting, and after this happened, Lester decided that instead of having the girls go and live with the grandparents again while they were touring, they instead decided to make a boarding arrangement with Gertrude Banizinski, who was the mother of Paula and Stephanie, which were two girls that Jenny, that went to Jenny and Sylvia's school. So I couldn't find anything that would really give me an actual answer as to why they decided to do this. But my first thought about this was that maybe the grandparents were upset about Betty's arrest. Mm. And basically, maybe, like, they cut them off or something had happened. Because from none of the articles that I could find, did it really say anything about the grandparents even ever trying to reach out to the girls to Mm -hmm. check on them while they were living with the Banaszewskis when they normally would be living with the grandparents. And it makes me wonder that, like, if maybe the grandparents didn't really approve of the Carney Mm -hmm. lifestyle, too. So it's kind of like, oh, and I told you so, you're a Carney, Mm -hmm. you're going to get arrested. And so whatever happened to their kids or their grandkids was kind of, was going to happen because they're Carneys. Exactly. And, like, it just, it feels so odd to me that as a grandparent, if for, like, many years you've been taking your grandchildren during Mm -hmm. the summers, that when they're 16 and 15 you just decide okay yeah they can live with strangers for the summer that they met at school yeah that's weird yeah very strange to me but that's what they decided to do um and so the arrangement that uh, Lester had set up with Gertrude Banaszewski was that he would send her $20 a week which would have been about $183 in today's money not a lot not they, a they ton ha- they didn't have a lot of money though they didn't have a lot of money and but at the time like that's kind of a big deal mm-hmm. and to gertrude to take care of the girl and basically to ask the gr- gertrude to take care of the girls as if they were her own mm-hmm. while the parents worked to the carnival circuit and would come back to get the girls in november when all carnivals had pretty much ended mm-hmm. for winter so mm-hmm. like i said we started off on it was on october 26th when her body was discovered her parents were supposed to be coming to get her in November. Oh, geez. So, like, yes. not even a week before. Oh, my God. Yeah. So, she was almost right there to when her parents Jeez. would have taken them back. But Gertrude was known in town to be a woman that herself wasn't doing very well financially either. And also had to take on odd jobs for some much-needed cash every now and again as well. So, Gertrude had seven kids of her own Jeez. living in this home. And had recently had a miscarriage just before the girls had came to live with her. So in the Banaszewski family at this time was Paula, who was 17, Stephanie, who was 15, John Jr., who was 12, Marie, who was 11, Shirley, who was 10, James, who was 8, and Dennis Lee Wright Jr., who was 1. So she was a single mom who had been divorced three times at this point. Two of the three divorces were from were to the same man, 
John Banaszewski, who was the father of six out of the seven children. So John had at one time also been a policeman and from reports would occasionally send checks to Gertrude to support the children. However, he did not send very much or on a very consistent basis. So that's when she started turning to doing sewing jobs or cleaning to help pay the bills, things like that. And taking on odd jobs like this, including taking two extra children. And so how old was Gertrude when, yeah, Gertrude when, um, when the Lycan girls were dropped off? Do you know? I I forgot to look that up, honestly. Mm-hmm. Um, I think she was in, I think, like, her mid-30s. Okay, I'll do, I'll yeah, do it because she, she has a bunch of kids, and she also yes. she had a miscarriage, so I was just yes. curious too. And she did kind of marry slightly young. Gotcha. I didn't really go much into a lot of Gertrude's history because not honestly, there's not really much that is known about her history as to how she became the monster she did, as well as, like, from what's there, it's, like, such small stuff that it doesn't make sense as to how she became this it wasn't it was person. more of a nature more than nurture and plus like yes even though this is something that's going to be a theme throughout is like you know we're going to give background yeah. to people the murderers and the fuckheads who did the do this stuff yeah but we also don't want to you know make it yeah. so that we're focusing everything on them there's gonna be background exactly. because it helps build the story like my exactly. case that's coming up but we don't want to make mm-hmm. you feel bad for them exactly i'm, I'm gonna quote ash and elena from morbid <laughs> you can feel bad for kid them but not adult them because exactly. they're a shithead and really there's not that much to feel bad for for her as well as like i just didn't want to do a whole lot of research onto her as a person because i don't think she matters i don't i didn't want to give her the time of day to try to find any excuse uh, to mm-hmm. her behavior because she like spoiler alert she's dog shit yeah. so like i <laughs> i just didn't care to yeah. but So, all this is going on. She's got so many kids in her house. So, by the time July comes, the girls have been living with her for a couple of weeks as their parents have taken off to the East Coast for the carnival tours. And at first, all is going well. The girls are getting along nicely with the family. They've been bonding with Paula and Stephanie, hanging out, singing with them, been going to church with them on Sundays, and has been actively helping around the house with no fight whatsoever. Like, from all reports, the girls were happy to help in this house. So these were helpful, sweet girls. This was not like they were two little shitheads who didn't want to contribute. No, they were actively helping all the time in this house. So... For the those two weeks, the boarding fee had been that had been sent by their dad was arriving on the exact agreed upon day, and all was good. Mm-hmm. So come the third week of the girls living there, and the check from their dad doesn't arrive on time. Instead, the check comes uh, about one to two days after it was supposed to be there. But this absolutely enrages Gertrude, and she decides that what she was going to do because the money order isn't there when their dad said it was supposed to be she takes a paddle and starts beating the girls bare butts because it's obviously their fault their dad didn't pay in time exactly and the money still came it was late but it still came but she decides physically punishing the girls for their dad's money not being there on time that's that's her choice that's what she decides to do but this unfortunately becomes a pattern each week the money is arriving two to three days late and Gertrude beats the girls because of this and says things to them like, I took care of you little bitches for a week for nothing. And just beat their butts and backs with random objects that she finds around the home. Even though the money, the money comes. Yep, the money still does come. But she, and, she, and obviously yes. it's a pattern that it's going to come a few days late because shit yes. happens and they're mm-hmm. on the fucking East Coast and I'm assuming the yep. girls are still in the Midwest. Exactly. And it's a money order, so exactly. that can take a couple of days. Ooh, bitch. Yeah. I'm beating already. Yes. So the, from everything that I saw... The money always came. There was never a missed payment. Mm. It was just always a little late. Mm. But Gertrude herself wasn't just the only one beating the girls and doing all of these first instances of doing this. Gertrude instructed her oldest daughter, Paula, to also paddle the girls and Sylvia in particular. And Paula by no means ever declined to do this and was absolutely would willingly strike the girls whenever her mother said to and at times instigated beatings to the girls by making false accusations of Sylvia in particular doing things that would make Gertrude mad. Jesus. So literally from everything that I saw there was a lot of reports about Paula in particular being jealous of Sylvia Mm. because Sylvia was very beautiful. She was Mm. a very pretty girl. Mm. I will later show you pictures of Paula's mugshot. Paula was by no means a pretty girl. And like, I don't like to make fun of any person's appearance, but honestly, I don't think Paula was really that bad looking Mm. if she just fixed her fucking eyebrows. (laughs) Like, (laughs) 
She would have been fine. Sylvia Likens is really fucking pretty. Very beautiful. Her bangs are very, like, cute. Very, oh, like, you know. So cute. Yeah. And then if you look up any of the family, mm-hmm. they look pretty regular or fine. But I guess Paula was just extremely jealous over Sylvia in particular. Oh, yeah. She has to fix those fucking eyebrows. Exactly. Like, Let me do it, just try to describe like them. They eyebrows. They do. They look like sperm mm-hmm. eyebrows, but then there's, like, it looks like she mm-hmm. has little slits in them. She didn't mean to put there. Like, girl, yeah. I get it. It's, like... In whatever year it's in, yes. but, like, girl needs to do her fucking eyebrows. That's like, all it is. She just needed to change up her eyebrows. She would have been fine. Yeah. But instead decided, I'll just be jealous and shitty to Sylvia instead. So, <laughs> and of course, because this woman isn't horrific enough, she decides that beating the girls isn't punishment enough, but decides to start starving them, too. To the point where Sylvia, in particular, would not be allowed to eat at all, or would only be able to eat table scraps or whatever food she could find in the garbage. Jeez. And of course, because Paula is so highly interested in abusing Sylvia, Paula at times was telling her mother that Sylvia and Jenny were eating too much of food at church events, or would tell her mom that the candy Sylvia had actually purchased was stolen, which would lead Gertrude to beating Sylvia or instructing the kids in the house to also beat her. So Gertrude's fixation on physically injuring Sylvia over the late payments or controlling if or and when Sylvia would eat wasn't enough. She also had a huge obsession with Sylvia's love life or honestly, in all reality, the lack thereof. It started with Sylvia having mentioned that she had had a boyfriend at one point earlier within the year and Gertrude then took to accusing Sylvia of having sexual contact with this boy Uh, that she had not had and would accuse her of being pregnant when she absolutely was not. And after this case had happened, there were numerous reports of people that came forward to dispute any of Gertrude's accusations. And all of them said that to all of their knowledge, Sylvia was a virgin. So during this encounter where Gertrude had accused Sylvia of being pregnant, she told her that any time that a girl does things with a boy that they would become pregnant and kicked Sylvia in the crotch. Oh my god. Paula herself at this time was three months pregnant. And instead of being upset about her mom saying stuff like this, she then pushed Sylvia off the chair she was sitting on and told her that she wasn't fit to sit on chairs. Oh my god. But so... So Gertrude is getting mad at her yeah. daughter for, or not getting mad at yes. her, getting mad at Sylvia for possibly being yes. pregnant, while her daughter, who's a year older than Sylvia, yep. is knocked up. Yes, is currently three months pregnant, which they did know about, and Paula, being the shitty person she is, instead of telling her mom, like, that's a fucked up thing to say, because it is, nope, she decides to, again, assault Sylvia, and basically tell her, you aren't fit to sit on chairs, like, treating her worse than a dog. Jeez. Like, that's absolutely Paula's MO. So, after all of this abuse that's already happening, then really started to escalate even further. Given all of what Sylvia was going through in the house and how badly she was being treated by not just Gertrude, but by Paula and Stephanie as well, who were supposed to be her friends, That was the whole reason she came to live there, was that she was friends with these girls. So Sylvia was really just being absolutely mistreated. So she went to school and started a rumor that Stephanie and Paula were prostitutes. Not really a great thing to do, but But with what she's going through... You're getting the shit beat out of you. So, you know, like, getting the shit beat out of you versus saying you're a prostitute. Like, and also, like... Yeah. Who fucking cares? Exactly. (laughs) Like, it's just a rumor. But... As high school rumors do, it spreads like wildfire, and one of the boys in school went up to Stephanie and tried to proposition her for sex. Stephanie denied him and was absolutely pissed, and interrogated him about who had started this rumor, and he told her, honestly, Sylvia had. So that night, Stephanie Stephanie was pissed and went home and just punched Sylvia. Sylvia cried and apologized to Stephanie for starting the rumor, and actually Stephanie started to cry too. And from everything that I saw, like, all accounts, they were good with each other after this. Like, Stephanie was pissed, but she got over it, Mm -hmm. and it seemed like she did forgive Sylvia. But, however, when Stephanie's boyfriend, Coy Hubbard, found out about it, he horrifically attacked Sylvia. He banged her head against a wall, slapped her, and flipped her over backwards onto the floor. Oh my god. And, of course the monster in all of this, Gertrude, when she found out that Sylvia had started this rumor, she beat Sylvia with a fraternity paddle. Oh my god. Yeah. Jeez. So, what was a normal 
kind of fucked up childhood altercation between Stephanie mm-hmm. and Sylvia then became vicious this, assault. Yeah, a vicious assault by two separate people. Jeez. So, like I said, it ju- wasn't just Gertrude herself that was doing the abusing of Sylvia, and the kids in the house were actively participating in abusing her as well. Paula especially was c- really into this abuse and uh, as well and once beat Sylvia so hard around the face that she broke her own wrist while punching Sylvia. Oh my god. Yeah. That's how hard she was punching Sylvia in the face. She broke her own wrist. Gertrude sought treatment for Paula and Paula was put in a cast which once she was put in that cast she went right no. back to beating Sylvia with oh her cast. Oh my god. That's so fucked. Yeah. Oh my god. Yes. <laughs> So, during the early fall, I believe, uh, Sylvia and Jenny did go to the fair to see their older sister, Diana. So, of course, Jenny and Sylvia did try to tell their sister about what was going on in the house, but Diana later does admit that when they told her this, she thought they were exaggerating about the abuse and that the girls just didn't like living there. So, Diana didn't tell her parents any of what the girls had said and didn't do much about, or, ooh, excuse me, (laughs) So Diana didn't tell her parents what had the girls had said to her and didn't really do much about it other than when she finally did learn where the address of the house itself was, she did try to visit the Banaszewski home to see to see them, but Gertrude would not let Diana into the house or talk to the girls and claimed that the Lycans themselves had told her not to let Diana contact the girls and just told Diana to leave the property. That's Which, fucked. so weird to me. Like, as an older sister... Mm-hmm. If I went to a house where my younger sister was staying and they wouldn't let me in to see her and then try to tell me that my parents had said for me to not talk mm-hmm. to them, I'd absolutely, one, not believe any of this, yeah. probably call 911 immediately. Yeah. But I would also go straight to my parents and be like, what the fuck is this Yeah, because Because also you're an older sister and like yeah. you're an older sibling. Like I have a younger brother. Like mm-hmm. if my, if he was staying somewhere and like you said, if someone said, oh, your mom yeah. and dad said you couldn't see your younger brother. I'd be like, what yeah. the fuck are you talking about? Like he's, in, first of exactly. all, like who, who, like why would you dictate that unless there's mm-hmm. something actually wrong going on? Yeah. Like it makes no fucking sense. And it exactly. seems like prior to her, to um, Sylvia staying with Gertrude, mm-hmm. Diana could, could talk to her whenever she wanted. Yeah. So all of a sudden being like, nope, you nope. can't talk to her is like fucking weird absolutely so very strange but there wasn't a lot that i could find about the family's dynamic dynamic about not only before and after this but also just any of their thoughts of what was going on gotcha well especially if they're traveling like obviously the parents didn't know about it and even Mm -hmm. like diana like if she's her parents are traveling and it's at the time where there's not cell phones so she can't just call me like hey mom yo dad what's up like why can't i talk to sylvia it she would would take um, probably a month to even get a letter to them and by that time she's like you know what if mom and dad said it, it's probably whatever you know Mm because they were fear for the girl's safety anyway so she doesn't know something could have happened that they're like you know what don't let anyone else talk to them but us exactly you know so i don't know but there's nothing nowhere that i could find of diana ever trying to raise these concerns to her parents And in anything that I could find, the parents said that they didn't know that the girls were being abused. They did visit the girls a couple of times in August of that year and briefly in early October, but they said they didn't notice anything wrong. The girls didn't say anything about what was happening to them, and they didn't note that they saw any injuries on Sylvia during their visit. Which, honestly, that doesn't really make any sense to me, as we get more along with some of the injuries that Sylvia had, which I'll get into later. But this last visit that her parents had had with her was on October 5th, and Sylvia died October 26th. So, so, so how in three weeks is she emaciated and beat yes. to shit with no other injuries? Exactly. Makes no sense. It, that it's, makes no sense. It's not like a zero to 100 in three weeks. Exactly. It happened over these months over so the course of where months. Wh- why are you not seeing these injuries exactly. so i will definitely talk further about mm. like why that makes no sense yeah. to me but that also just it makes me so sad to think about her parents last saw her and had their last opportunity to possibly save her october 5th Jeez. she died on october 26th literally exactly three weeks later yes that's insane that's that's it it's crazy it was so quick So Gertrude would genuinely try to include every person in the house to try to harm Sylvia and multiple times had forced Jenny to hit Sylvia. And during these times when Jenny would refuse to hit her sister, Gertrude would beat Jenny. 
So, of course, this left Jenny in a place where she couldn't do anything to help her older sister. But Gertrude didn't just stop at having kids in the house harm her, but actually encouraged local kids in the neighborhood to as well. And during one occasion, it was reported that one of these kids had force-fed Sylvia a spice-covered hot dog until she vomited and then forced her to eat the vomit. Oh my god, that is so... Jesus Christ. Yeah. I feel like that's all I'm saying is Jesus Christ. I promise I can say more shit to that, but it's just like, that's... A kid forcing another kid to eat vomit? Yes. Oh my god. That an adult woman allowed this to happen in front of her. And encouraged it. Encouraged it. Oh my god. Yeah. And that this was what was so normalized, and like, I'll get further into it, but it's so wild to me how much, like, these kids thought this was so normal to be so violent and cruel and disgusting to her. Well, what year was this in again, sorry? 1965. Oh, so, I was, like, even, like, yeah. it's it, it, it not even, like, the time, like, yeah. like, like I can't even think of a time that it was yes. normal for kids to be so cruel to each other, but, like, Yeah, 1965, what? so, like, not that long ago. No. Not Jeez. at all. Not long enough ago for, like, crazy, it's not like this is Albert Fish time where yeah. people just let their kids go off with anybody. But, like, this is a time mm-hmm. where somehow these kids were thinking this was normal. Jeez. And it makes no sense. Mm-mm. So these neighborhood kids also included Coy Hubbard, Stephanie's boyfriend, mm-hmm. who would regularly come over to the house to beat on Sylvia. And Gertrude allowed kids to use Sylvia as a martial arts dummy. And kids would practice judo moves on her. Oh, my God. Yeah. So she was kind of just using her as a, do whatever the fuck you want, here's a play doll, that's it basically that, that it was so like yeah up. they were like she is a test dummy just go ahead beat the hell out of her and so i don't know i, I don't know if i haven't been listening mm-hmm. well enough but have you mentioned him besides her not getting the checks on time is there any other motive behind this literally the only things is the checks and sylvia starting a rumor that's Jeez. it and paula's own jealousy of her and potentially Gertrude's own jealousy. Well, if Paul is jealous, and I'm sure... Because, listen, yeah. if, if Paul is jealous, she obviously has insecurities, mm-hmm. and those insecurities often come from somebody else, i.e. most times someone's mom. So it's like, mm-hmm. obviously, if Paul is insecure and jealous of Gertrude for, let's say, her eyebrows, pure example, I'm sure that... Or, sorry, yeah, Paul is yeah. jealous of Sylvia for her eyebrows. Of course, yeah. probably Gertrude's probably jealous of her eyebrows, because Sylvia had wonderful eyebrows, so... Yeah. And, and, and Paula didn't, so, anyway. And, like... <laughs> Gertrude herself, like, this woman was, she was a single mom to mm-hmm. seven kids that had no money, had mm-hmm. really, like, fuck all to do most of the time. Yeah. And just clearly, like, from everything I saw, they all, they thought that a lot of the motivation behind it was Gertrude and Paula's jealousy of Makes Sylvia sense. being beautiful, younger, and free. Yeah. True. And, like, clearly, like, with Paula being pregnant at the same time all of this is happening, she's following exactly in her mm-hmm. mom's own path. Yeah. And I'm sure yeah. because Paul, because Paul, or because Gertrude had Paula so young, if she was in her, let's say, mid-30s, and Paula was 17 at the time, mm-hmm. she, I'm, I'm sure that Paula was also made out to be a mother figure to her younger siblings. Yeah. So if she's seeing this, quote-unquote, oldest sibling who, to her eyes, is mm-hmm. the oldest sibling because Diana's not in the picture right now, mm-hmm. you know, yeah. she's like, oh, well, she can go out and do whatever I want, but I have to stay home and take care of my kids, exactly. and I'm also knocked up. Yep. So I understand why I should be jealous. Exactly. So Doesn't excuse anything, but... No, Jesus. but... It makes sense, some of Mm -hmm. their motivation in that regard, I guess. So all of them, Gertrude, her kids, and neighborhood kids, all of them would put out cigarettes on Sylvia's body, just like all the time. In the autopsy, they noted over, uh, like, hundreds of cigarette burns all over her body. Yep, so they were doing this to her, too. So was Sylvia allowed to go to school? We'll get into that a little bit Okay, later, okay. But Don't want to very, jump ahead. Yeah, but very good point. Great question. Yeah. We'll get into it later. Yes. I don't want to skip ahead. Absolutely. Continue. So, um, a little while after this, actually right in line with it, um, Sylvia had been caught stealing a bathing suit from mm-hmm. school because she needed it for gym, and Gertrude mm-hmm. refused to buy her one. So, Gertrude pulled Sylvia out of school and forbid her from going back, and then oh, beat no. her mercilessly with a three-inch wide police belt. Oh, my God. That had been left by Gertrude's ex-husband. Oh, my God. All while doing this, she did this sermon, basically, on theft being a sin, but then shifted to lecturing about the evils of sex and women in general, and again kicked Sylvia in the genitals. Oh, my God. And then burned her fingertips with matches. Ah, jeez. Yeah. And, like, why? 
for stealing a bathing suit that she needed for <gasps> gym class. Like, oh my god. Yep. Jeez. That's... Yeah. Gertrude's Step... fucked up. She's very fucked up. Damn. And unfortunately, it only ever gets worse. I was here. hoping you weren't going to say that, nope. but I know. Oh, it gets god. worse. <laughs> so, Stephanie was reported to try... Um, yeah, Stephanie was reported to have tried to get her mother to stop her. Yeah, Stephanie was trying to get her mom to stop and stop Gertrude and had stuck up for Sylvia at this time and said that Sylvia didn't do anything, but she was just ignored and Gertrude continued to torture Sylvia. Jeez. So, honestly, like, in these instances, like, we'll kind of talk more about Stephanie later, but... At this point, Stephanie is the only person that is ever saying that this is not normal, not mm -hmm. okay, or trying to stick up for Sylvia. But does does Stephanie ever go out and try to help, get help, or she, do you think she's too no. scared of her mom? I think she might be too scared, as well as, like, I don't, I don't necessarily think Stephanie was not culpable in this as well. Oh, yeah, 100%. I mean, I, even if you're forced yeah. to do it, you can still have a choice to say no. Exactly. Like, and then, unfortunately, what's even sadder is, like, Jenny can't do anything. Jenny is polio stricken. Has I a forgot limb. about that she had polio. Yeah. And this is her older sister who her whole life had been her protector. Oh my and God. a lot of what I saw, it seems like Sylvia took on a lot of like beatings mm -hmm. for Jenny oh, because yeah. she wanted to protect her sister. Yeah. So Jenny was caught in between this horrific instance of knowing mm -hmm. that if she doesn't hurt her sister or if she doesn't keep the secret, she's going to get attacked. Mm -hmm. But also knowing that her sister is a physically putting herself mm -hmm. in harm's way yeah. to protect her wow so it's just awful yeah but poor sylvia was just being absolutely tormented and of course given that she what given that she was being burned and beaten she would have these wounds and it would be very visible mm -hmm. these wounds and adults in the neighborhood did see this and one of them did call the school and reported her injuries around september of this mm -hmm. year so the school nurse did come out and try to investigate and assess Sylvia's welfare, but Gertrude told the nurse that Sylvia had run away and that the wounds were sores that were caused by Sylvia refusing to bathe herself. Yeah, because being beaten to hell yeah. definitely looks like a so a bed sore. Yep. Definitely, because, you know, mm -hmm. I definitely don't shower all the time, and I definitely look like I got the shit kicked out of me every exactly. single day. And this is what is so frustrating. The school... Let, the nurse left after that point, told the school this. The school never tried to investigate these reports any further, and they never called police or Child Protective Services. That makes me, like, I feel like you hear this time and time again in cases yes. where they'll knock on the door. Like, mm -hmm. the, what brings to mind is the Ariel Ca Castro kidnappings. Yes. Where they came so many times. Oh, mm -hmm. great, this is only yeah. the first time, but they come so many times and knock on the door. Hey, is anyone there? No one's home. Guess nothing happened. Uh, but, if someone, but if someone's getting the shit kicked out of them yeah. and someone's reporting, especially mm -hmm. a baby like yes. Sylvia Grant, she was 16. That's a baby. Mm -hmm. Like, getting kicked like that? Oh, my God. Yeah. It makes me so fucking mad. And, like, the first thing I thought of was, like, the, the Gabriel Hernandez case. Yes. Like, children and youth were there all the time. Mm -hmm. Police came there multiple times, but still never actually took this child out of the situation. Yeah, but so literally, nobody did anything. Like, reports mm -hmm. were being made. Nobody did anything. Jeez. Nobody actually tried. But worse to me is the older couple that lived right next door said that they twice had gone over to the house and hung out with Gertrude and saw Paula physically beating on Sylvia and bragging to them about doing this to her often. And they outright said that they didn't see anything wrong with this and thought that Gertrude was an excellent caregiver for these girls. They, of course, never reported anything to anyone about the abuse that they witnessed. And they were old, an older couple? Yep. Well, of course, they're from the fucking generation where, you know, you can beat the shit out of your kids, beat the shit out of your yep. wife, and it's completely fine, because guess what? They're your property. Exactly. Like, that is, oh my but god. It pissed me off so much to hear. Not only did were they like, oh yeah, that seems totally normal for Paula to be bragging about beating the shit out of her, or physically, like, hitting her while they were there. They were like, yeah, that's normal. And also, Gertrude, you seem like such a great caregiver. Because you know what? You're such a great caregiver because not only are you taking such good care of Sylvia and Jenny, but you're also obviously raised a fucking stellar of a daughter named exactly. Paula. Exactly. Like, These kids are clearly the best children that has ever existed. You are a great caregiver to the nine children that are in this house oh right gosh. now. Yeah. 
But also, and one of the accounts that had came out at trial that also super pissed me off is that the minister that testified at the trial later on, he said that he knew that one of the girls was being abused in the home, but Gertrude had told him that Sylvia was taking advances from men for money, so he believed that any abuses that were happening were Gertrude's attempt to punish the girl for solicitation. So I'm wondering, to go back to how Gert, how um, what's her name, how Sylvia made the rumor against Steph, Steph against yeah. Stephanie. I'm wondering if Gertrude was like, hmm, let me take that little, let me take that on my little filing cabinet in my head and use that yeah. as a means to. Be, be okay that I'm, yeah. I'm beating this girl to hell. Yep. Gertrude is so crazy and horrific that she twisted this whole thing around, which, like, I think that Sylvia directly got this whole prostitute mm -hmm. rumor to spread from Gertrude accusing her of these True. things. True. You're right. And accusing right. her of being that person. Yeah, because it seems like, she, I mean, even though her, her parents were carnies, which, so I don't know if that's the correct term. Carnival sure. workers. I apologize yeah. if that's offensive. Don't kill yeah, us. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, like, if her parents are carnies, like, she, I'm sure she didn't see that type of stuff. Like, no. to my knowledge, granted, I don't go to carnivals because clowns are fucking scary. But like, to my knowledge, there aren't sex workers at no. at carnivals. At least now. Yeah. Back in the '60s, you never know. But also, like, sex work was not talked about in the '60s, no. so it was such. I mean, there's still a stigma to it today, but so much more of a stigma to mm -hmm. it back then. So. It's interesting because obviously yeah. now that you mentioned that Sylvia wouldn't probably wouldn't have any idea what that was. No, and like she, from all reports, she was a virgin. She never really had like actual boyfriends Jeez. other than that one boyfriend she said she had mm -hmm. earlier in the year yeah. when they were in California. Mm -hmm. There was nothing really. Like she just was a normal, sweet, innocent girl. And like they moved around so much. When would she have ever developed an actual exactly. relationship? Exactly. Because I mean, especially like I said before, back then there was no cell phones, so you couldn't no. just do long distance. Exactly. And it's just Ugh, it like frustrates me so much. But also, mind you, this was all happening during a time where it was just after the child welfare movement of 1962 was just starting to get momentum, and the public was really starting to have their view of child abuse shifted within the media. Gotcha. So starting in 1962, Dr. Henry Kemp had published the, the an article discussing battered child syndrome and the severity of child abuse that he and other medical professionals had been seeing. So because of this, Dr. Kemp became dedicating efforts to expanding CPS efforts and served as one of the experts that testified to lawmakers mm -hmm. to have laws passed across the U.S. from 1963 to 1967 mm -hmm. in various states, making it a law that doctors would be required to report child abuse if they saw or treated it. But really, it wasn't until 1974 that the U.S. government actively expanded the funding that they would later give to Child Protective Services to make it so that they could truly investigate cases of abuse. So unfortunately for everyone here, there was no real intervention systems-wise that would have been had for Sylvia. And even though people were reporting what they saw, there was literally no one really looking into it or it could have genuinely helped that her. That is so crazy that literally not even 50, only 50 years mm -hmm. ago, just under 50 years ago, yeah. is when the U.S. decided to get their shit together and be like, hey, kids yeah. are getting beaten and probably killed. Let's do something about exactly. it. Exactly. So, I mean, granted, like, obviously we see, like you said, like the Gabriel mm -hmm. Fernandez case, like, shit is still fucked up today. Mm -hmm. But the fact that it the legislation only happened 50 years ago is absolutely fucking crazy. Completely. I can't imagine. Completely insane, which I later do want to cover, like, the history and, like, the case that started mm -hmm. the child welfare system mm -hmm. and things like that within the United States. Mm -hmm. So I'm definitely going to end up covering That'd that awesome. in one episode at some yeah. point to give us a better idea of really how yeah. the United States finally got there. But, yeah, at this point, it was a few years before anyone was wow. really looking into stuff like this. Yeah. So Sylvia and Jenny were basically completely left alone. And helpless. And helpless Jeez. and no one to save them from this shitty awful scary situation so Gertrude was also known to force the girls into scalding hot baths and oh during God. one of these times Sylvia actually passed out from the heat and Gertrude repeatedly bashed her head into the wall to revive her so which during the same occasion that this had happened came directly after Gertrude and Paula had bludgeoned and choked her repeatedly. So it is also medically possible that one of the contributing factors to her having lost consciousness could have also been from non-fatal strangulation. So that 
could have very much very well for her lost some oxygen to her brain during the choking incidents and could have suffered from some traumatic brain injury due to this abuse yeah because you know obviously the way that you want to wake someone up when they pass out is to bang their head across on a, yeah, on a wall that's I feel, the normal thing to do i feel like i'm sounding so sarcastic about this entire episode and i like i am this is, stuff is actually fucking horrifying but it just it boggles my fucking mind yeah. like Imagine, okay, imagine you're an EMT. All right, well, someone passed out. How do you revive them? Just bash their fucking head, head against a wall. That's how you do it. That's what Gertrude... CPR? If, no. If Gertrude... If, if Gertrude was your EMT, passed out? No, just smash, smash them. Em. Gertrude, smash. Fuck that. I don't want Gertrude to be my EMT. She can fuck right the fuck off. I will die there. I'll write a DNR right that second. You'll be passed out, and you'll be signing yes. DNR. And yes. just write on your arm, please. Absol- don't. Please, I will write in bold letters. Please do not let Gertrude try to revive me. Do not resuscitate. <laughs> Just fuck my shit up. I'm done. <laughs> I'm done. But, so... Just after this, as I had said, like, her parents had visited her on October 5th. So just one day after her parents had visited her on October 6th, Sylvia had wet herself, which unfortunately be- had become something that had begun to happen to her fairly often due to all of the abuses that Mm -hmm. she was suffering and the severity of the abuses that she was suffering, especially to her genital region. Yeah. Because Gertrude was absolutely obsessed with this idea of virginity with her was regularly like kicking or hitting her in the genitals. So you said, I know, like you said, like she has been kicked and hit in the genitals. A huge trigger warning for, but what I'm about to ask, was there ever sexual assault in this time? There was, but I will discuss one of the instances that was a repeated thing that had happened to her okay. later because it's a little gruesome. So okay. I'm only going to talk about one of the instances where it okay. happened, but it did happen multiple times. Yeah, because yeah, because I was wondering yeah. about like pelvic pelvic floor issues, like that yes. can happen with sexual assault. Yes. So also one of the reasons that had caused this mm-hmm. of her mm-hmm. wetting herself and becoming incontinent was two part. It was because of the abuse that was going on to her genital region, but also because Gertrude would limit Sylvia's access to the bathroom and would outright deny her to be allowed to use the bathroom when she needed to, which would force her to have to wet herself. So it's like Gertrude is enabling another quote-unquote reason for her to beat Sil- to beat yes. Sylvia because she's not letting her go to the bathroom. Exactly. It'd be like, you pissed your pants because I wouldn't let you go to the bathroom, this is so I'm going to beat the shit out of you. This is your fault. This is you. Your, your fault. <laughs> yes. So that's exactly what was happening. So Gertie would punish her for this. And to punish her for this, on October 6th, she threw her down the, in the basement and tied her up there. Oh my God. So during the next 20 days that Sylvia was in the basement, they often forced her to be naked, would rarely, if ever, feed her or let her have water. And the way that she was tied up down there it was onto the railing of the basement by her wrists in a way that she was tied up. Her feet were barely touching the ground. Oh, so she's being held up by her wrists. Yep, she oh was being God. held up to the banister by her wrists, dangling downwards with her feet barely, if ever, able to touch mm. the ground. Oh, my God. For the next 20 days. So during this time when she was down there, Gertie would often charge neighborhood kids five cents a piece for them to go down to the basement to look at Sylvia naked and tied up like that. She would also charge these kids to be able to humiliate her, burn her, beat her, and all. And she would actually have some of these neighborhood kids assist her with taking her down, gagging her, putting her in these scalding baths, and rubbing salt in her wounds. Oh my god, that is fucking sadistic. I mean, everything is sadistic, but yes. like... Jesus, it was like, it, it was almost as if she, Gertrude was making her own carnival out of Sylvia. Yes. And that is so fucked up. Yes. And one of the articles that I read that it was like, I did not want to include the direct quote because it was so fucked up to me, but someone had basically said that one of the reasons why they thought that it was normalized or like why these kids would pay money to go down and look at her was because this would sound like a really like sight to see if you're a young child and someone is coming up to you and saying oh i charge i was charged five cents to go to the banazuski household and to go look at a naked girl and a hitter or any of these things that this sounds like a sight to see when you're a young child with nothing better to do yeah because definitely at like what 10 years old i'm like you know what you know what i want to yeah. do for fun on a saturday 
go to the fucking Benazuski household, if that's how you yeah. fucking say it, and go look at a naked girl and abuse her. That's exactly. definitely what I want to do as a 10-year-old. Like, I w- will absolutely admit, I was a piece of shit as a kid, <laughs> but if you looked me in my face and was like, oh, hey, do you want to go over to our friend's house around the corner? Oh, yeah, over on New York Street, there's a girl downstairs in the basement. You can beat on her. Be like, fuck you, I'm calling the police. Like, I'm no fucking narc, but I'm gonna right now. <laughs> like, Jesus Christ. Snitches get stitches, but not, not in this, this situation. situation. This is the one time it was like, fucking snitch. Snitch right now. <laughs> Run and do it. I will pay you Run. to snitch. Exactly. And like some of the reports I saw, some of these kids did tell their parents, mm-hmm. but their parents thought they were fucking kidding or that they were lying. Because it sounds so out there. Like it if, if, if crazy. This is a shit that like is in a, you see this shit in a horror movie, you're like there's no way this fucking happened. Exactly. Like this is one of those cases where you're like, this didn't happen in real life. This is all made up. Yeah. No, there is. Because there's fucking yes. pictures. When I looked up Sylvia Lykin look at her picture, I saw her yes. body. Yes. Trigger warning. Don't look up Sylvia Lykin if you want to no. see her dead body. Exactly. It's literally like, and that's what makes me so sad about this case as well. When you look up anything, that picture and those pictures of her body are in every article on everything. And she's a minor, yeah. mind you. She, she is still 16. 16 at this point. So they're yeah. showing a beat up, bruised, emaciated baby. Yeah. Oh my God. Everywhere. And it's all over the internet. So as previously mentioned, Gertrude had seven of her own children living in this house. Um, uh, as well they were all various different ages her one-year-old being the youngest at this time so on one of the days that sylvia was trapped in the basement she had her 12 year old son john jr force feed sylvia the baby's urine and feces oh my god every uh, there's something about people being force-fed stuff like food is gross don't get me wrong being force-fed but being force-fed like urine feces and throat literally makes like i feel sick to my stomach right now Oh. And of course, it always gets worse with this whole fucking case. It just gets worse. Oh my god. So, four days before Sylvia had died, John Jr. taunted Sylvia by offering her a bowl of soup. No, I don't want to know yeah. what comes out. I know a it's not bowl, a bowl of soup. Yeah, a bowl of soup. And when she tried to eat it with her fingers, he just took the bowl away from her. Oh god. So, it was noted that on this day that she had already. that. After he did this, she was already at the stage where she was suffering from extreme malnourishment, malnourishment, and was literally like likely was near knocking on death's door. Oh my god! So there were times during this period where Sylvia literally could not even produce enough saliva to eat solid foods or salty foods. So given that it seems that she was deep into the stages of starvation. All reports said it was clear that Sylvia's body was malnourished in appearance after her death. So this is why it just doesn't make sense to me that her parents said that they didn't notice anything being off or different about her when they last visited her a few weeks before this. Because it it takes more than three weeks for a person to starve to the point that their bodies are appearing underweight. As well as there were so many people injuring her at this time and causing harm long before she was in that basement. And it was a month before her death that people were noticing these wounds and calling the school. So I just don't understand how her po- her parents didn't see, see a single injury on her body that day that they came and visited when neighbors certainly had. And in the autopsy itself, they said that many of the burn marks and injuries that they found on her body were old injuries. So she had visible injuries on her yeah. and was visibly malnourished. Mm-hmm. And her parents yeah. it, said that it, they didn't notice anything. It makes me wonder, like, if... The parents did notice, but didn't say anything because you said before they were also very, very broke. So they were like, yeah. we, maybe they were like, you know, she's injured, but maybe, but also like if they asked Gertrude, she probably made up, probably would have made another excuse. Like Gertrude yeah. would have said, oh yeah, me and my sister, my, me and my daughter and all of her friends mm-hmm. put cigarettes out on her, on her arms. Yeah. They could have, they could, they, they, they didn't know what was going yeah. on. It was during the 60s. Yeah. So like I said, once again, no cell phones, you know? Yeah. And also like, you know, it just... I don't want to make excuses for the parents. I don't want yeah. to paint them as bad people because obviously they're not a huge part mm-hmm. of the story. But also, like, it, even if you see those, yeah. like, even if you see the injuries, you can excuse those away. But how do you excuse your daughter being that malnourished? Exactly. Like, because you said it doesn't take three weeks no. to go to almost knocking on death's door. Exactly. So, like, I just don't understand other than maybe they were thinking that because their last visit was the 5th, they were supposed to be getting her November 1st and coming gotcha. and getting her in November. Yeah. So maybe they thought, like, there's only one more month 
she'll hold out. A lot can happen in a month, apparently. Yes. In three weeks' time, this is where we Mm -hmm. get. So, I believe about four days before Sylvia's death, Gertrude said that Sylvia could sleep upstairs as long as she learned to not wet herself. So, Sylvia was then allowed to sleep upstairs that night under those specific conditions. So given that Sylvia was clearly dehydrated because of all of them starving her and refusing to give her water, she asked her sister Jenny for a glass of water before she went to bed that night. That night, Sylvia did wet the bed, and that morning when Gertie discovered this, she was completely furious, so she made Sylvia come down to the living room, forced her to undress, and content warning here, and insert a glass Coke bottle into her vagina in front of the family and local teenagers that were at the house that day, and then banish Sylvia to the basement once again. Oh my god! This is what I was talking about when I was saying the injuries to her vagina and sexual abuse. This wasn't the first time this had happened to her either. Oh my god. That had happened a couple of times before as well, that she was forced to do that. Including in front of her sister. So, a few hours after this, Gertrude ordered Sylvia to come back up the stairs to the kitchen, strip down again, and told her, You branded my daughters, now I'm going to brand you. Then they would go on to heat up a needle over a flame until it started to glow, and Gertrude began to carve words into Sylvia's stomach. Oh my god! Gertrude was unable to finish the carving and then had Richard Hobbs, one of the neighborhood's kids present, who during this time, mind you, was 14 years old, finished doing the carving. And when he was done, the sentence read, I am a prostitute and proud of it. I'm going to start fucking crying soon. This is so fucked up. This is so fucked. And this was when, when did this burning stuff happen? This was just a couple days before she died. Oh my god. So, Shirley, the 10-year-old daughter, then also heated up a bolt and attempted to stamp an S onto Sylvia's left breast, but the way that she had done it, it came out to look like a 3 instead. Some theorized that potentially the purpose of the S was supposed to represent the word slut, but I couldn't really find any real confirmation mm-hmm. as to why she chose an mm-hmm. S or why she was Gotcha. doing this at all yeah why would why is a 10 year old trying to brand this girl because her mother is a fucking monster absolute fucking monster so during this time when Hobbs and shirley were doing this to sylvia gertrude had taken jenny out of the house so she didn't see the majority of what had happened in this instance but given gertrude's pattern here later that same day she forced sylvia to show neighborhood kids the branding and told these children that she had gotten it at a sex party Yep. After the children left, John Jr. attempted to offer her food, but she refused it, given that she couldn't really eat anything because of the saliva Mm. situation and him having tricked her before. So she didn't want food from him. So he decided to beat her, punching her mostly in the stomach where this branding had just happened, and force-fed her crackers. So that night, and this just absolutely breaks my heart, but Sylvia came to Jenny and told her, I know you don't want me to die, but I'm gonna die. I can tell it. I can't, I can't do it. Oh my god, that is... Yeah. I can't imagine. Mm -hmm. Oh my god. Did this get worse? Why do you do this to me? (laughs) Oh my god. This poor baby girl. So she just went through one of the most horrific things I could ever possibly imagine. Loves her sister more than anything in the world. Literally was her protector all the time. And was outright telling her, like, I know you love me, I love you, I know you don't want me to die, but I'm gonna die. You can't make me cry on the first episode. Dang, I I hate you. I know, (laughs) I was ready to cry when I read that. But on October 25th, Sylvia was in extremely bad condition. She had this branding, she had been severely dehydrated, she was starving, she's been beaten, and was incontinent, incontinent for months of brutal abuse. So she wasn't doing well, and everyone could see that. So Gertrude realized that Sylvia was probably going to die soon. So she formed this plan that she would force Sylvia to write a letter that I will read to you in just a moment. But she would basically have her write this letter and then would would have her son, John Jr. and Jenny blindfold Sylvia and lead her off into the local woods and leave her out there to die. 
So after writing this letter, which Sylvia was forced to write this letter, Sylvia knew what they were that they were planning something. She overheard Gertrude talking about this plan of leaving her in the woods to die. And because of this, she was such a brave little girl, she tried to make an attempt to escape. She tried to run for the front door, but because of her injuries and her muscle weakness from the starvation, she wasn't able to run very quickly, and Gertrude caught her before she was ever able to make it out the door. Maybe. So Gertrude then brought her into the, into the kitchen and attempted to feed her again, but because she still couldn't eat anything solid, um, again, due to the saliva situation, Gertrude then took to beating her in the face repeatedly with a curtain rod to the point where she eventually bent the curtain rod from the force of striking her. Coy Hubbard, who was present during this, then took the bent curtain rod and struck Sylvia with one final blow to her head and knocked her unconscious. Yeah, so these kids, they're all here for this shit. They're always here. And where did Gertrude just get a fucking curtain rod? I don't know about y'all, but, like, I don't just have curtain rods laying around. Actually, it's funny because we actually do have one in the the hallway. But that's because we just changed it. But normally, you don't just have curtain rods laying around. Just laying around. So she took this off her windows to then beat the shit out of this girl? She took her time to to, unscrew it, take the curtains off, hold up the curtains nice, put them on the couch, and go, guess what, Sylvia? How dare there. you? How dare you not eat because I haven't been feeding you. Yes. That this, and what the fuck is going on with, what house is this that these kids want to go to? Because if I go to someone's house and they're beating the shit out of some kid there, one, police, again. 911, yes, hello. Yes, hello, get me out of here. This is scary. <laughs> but also... Why the fuck you gonna hang out over there? Seriously, I, I, if I see someone look at their kid wrong or look at their pet wrong, I'm like, you know what? You're trash. I'm leaving. Yeah. Be like, I'm done. I'm out. I'm oh not coming gosh. over here. You guys fucking suck. We're not homies anymore. Nope. These kids were always there. Sylvia woke up again later that night in the basement alone and found a small shovel, which she then attempted to use to hit the walls of the basement and started shouting in hopes of waking up the neighbors to call the police on her behalf. One neighbor did report that she heard this noise and that she found that the noise was coming from the Banaszewski's house. But when the noise abruptly stopped at 3 a.m., she never called law enforcement and didn't follow up about it the next day at all. Oh, jeez. So she still tried to make attempts to save herself. Even though she was so emaciated, so yep. beaten, yes. burned. Oh, my gosh. What a Branded. Brave, what a brave girl. Yes. But so come the next morning, October 26th, Sylvia had been beaten so much that her body was just breaking down from the starvation and from deprivation and had become completely delirious. She couldn't move her limbs very well, was talking incoherently, and had no real cognitive thoughts left. So when she was asked to recite the alphabet, she couldn't get farther than a few letters. Yeah. So she was offered a glass of milk, but couldn't coordinate the dexterity in her hands to be able to lift the glass to it to her and bring it to her mouth. This pissed off Gertrude, and she became frustrated with this and threw her to the ground, and Paula threatened to jump on her if Sylvia didn't get herself up. Sylvia couldn't get herself up, and unfortunately she actually defecated on herself at that time. So Gertrude threw Sylvia back in the basement after this and told her to clean herself up, which, again, Sylvia couldn't. The family, Jenny, and some of the kids that had tortured her were all there in this basement with Sylvia, watching her just completely deteriorate in front of them. They offered her food again, but at this time, but this time it was a rotten pear, which when Sylvia tried to bite into it, she couldn't do it and said that she, that the reason why was that she could feel that her teeth being too loose. Oh my God. So. That's terrifying. Yeah. Jenny then reminded Sylvia about having her tooth knocked out when she was seven, but Sylvia couldn't remember any of it. Oh my God. She was in this bad of shape. So after that, Jenny and some of the other kids left, but Gertrude had ordered John Jr. to clean Sylvia up, and he took a hose that another child had brought to the home earlier and began to spray her down with the hose, laughing as he did it. I'm sure the water was, water was ice fucking cold, too. Yep. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Sylvia tried again after this to escape and tried to run up the basement stairs, but collapsed before the stairs, and Gertrude then decided to stomp on Sylvia's head and waited until Sylvia just stopped trying and just fell to the ground. Yeah. What a fucking monster. Jesus. So, 
Around 5.30 p.m., Richard Hobbs came back to the house and went to go down to the basement. And as he did, he slipped and fell because of the water John Jr. had sprayed all over with the hose. And when he fell down to the basement, he found Stephanie on the ground holding Sylvia in her arms, crying over her. So Gertie, uh, after John Jr. just hosed Sylvia down, decided to instead instruct Stephanie to clean Sylvia up. So Stephanie and Hobbs then gave Sylvia a warm soapy bath, dressed her in clean clothes, and laid her on one of the mattresses in the bedrooms upstairs. So when Sylvia was in the bed, she kept begging Stephanie to take her home, and the final words she spoke was saying that she wished her daddy was there. Oh my god, that is... Oh my god, that literally is like... You're gonna make me cry. Yeah, I'm like brokenhearted for this poor little girl. Oh my god. So... Stephanie was very upset and shouted to her younger sister that Sylvia would be all right, but she realized, she looked and realized that Sylvia wasn't breathing anymore. So she tried to give Sylvia mouth-to-mouth resuscitation. Gertrude just kept shouting that Sylvia was faking it and just kept hitting Sylvia's body with a book, calling her a faker over and over again. Sylvia, during this time, after, after all of this, had finally succumbed to her injuries So when Gertrude and the family finally realized that she wasn't faking it and Sylvia was in fact dead, she then had Hobbs run out to the payphone and call the police. So now we're back to where we had started, where I started you off with the police coming to the home and looking over the body of this mutilated and emaciated girl, where Gertrude was claiming that she had come to her home like that an hour before clutching this note. The letter read, Dear Mr. and Mrs. Likens, I went with a gang of boys in the middle of the night, and they said they would pay me if I would give them something. So I got in the car, and they all got what they wanted, and when they finished, they got finished, they beat me up, left sores on my face and all over my body. They also put on my stomach. I am a prostitute and proud of it. I have done just about everything that I could just to make Gertie mad and cause Gertie more money than she's got. I've tore up a new mattress and peed on it. I have also caused Gertie doctor's bills that she really can't pay and made Gertie a nervous wreck and all of her kids. So the officers reading this ridiculous letter and hearing Paula say that whole Sylvia's death was an inevitable type stuff were just suspicious of what was really going on. And in this house, they just knew something was off. So they weren't buying it. So that is where they pulled Jenny aside, and Jenny promised to tell them the truth if they took her out of the house. And they did just that. Jenny told them everything and made a formal statement to police detailing all of what Gertrude, Paula, Stephanie, Coy Hubbard, Richard Hobbs, and the younger Banaszewski children and neighborhood kids all did to Sylvia. So if we want to leave our first episode there for part one... When we get into part two, I will talk about the autopsy, the trial, and everything that came after the trial. So that is where we will end for this moment for episode one and part one of Sylvia Likens' horrific, horrific death. But, um, yeah. That was horrible. Yeah. Um, we just lit some incense before this. We're going to have to light some more. I'm going to have to go mm-hmm. cuddle my cat because that's fucking horrible. Yep. Do um, a quick cry. Oh my god, I've been yeah. sitting at, I, I feel like all I can say is, oh my god, that is fucking insane. Yeah. Oh my god, <laughs> oh my yeah. god, oh my god. Oh, absolutely. That is and fucking insane. This is not where the insanity ends. The trial in and of itself, and just all of the testimony and all of the shit that comes later is also absolutely wild, but everything that just happened to Sylvia was some of the most horrific things I've ever read Yeah. could ever even imagine a person doing to another person. Even just one instance of one of the things that Gertrude did to her was bad enough, much less everything else, much less yeah. making her kids do it. Not even, at this point, not even making Paula do it. Paula yeah. just doing she, it. She like, that is fucking insane. And yeah. that's a horrible first case. I'm so not happy that you did it. Thank you. <laughs> but with that being said, I guess we'll we'll, we'll yeah. end here with the part one of Sylvia, Sylvia Likens. I have a yes. case um, about the Bucks County murders in 2017. We'll decide if we want to do that in between the first mm-hmm. and second part of Sylvia Likens or just bang out Sylvia Likens so yeah. I can just be traumatized all at once and, and then done. finish it. <laughs> um, but either way, um, that was part one. And I guess, uh, yeah. we'll, you know, you'll we, hear another, uh, another story 
another story soon. <laughs> Absolutely. And I hope all of you get to love and cherish your pets and children or whoever mm-hmm. you have in your home and mm-hmm. hug folks close because mm-hmm. this fucking sucked. Mm-hmm. But and, and, you know, and if you if you like us, subscribe to our podcast. Um, you can follow us on Instagram at Figures in the Dark. Follow us on Twitter at Figures in the Dark, but darker spelled D R. D-R-K, because Twitter has character limits. Um, <laughs> or if you ever want to send us an email with case suggestions, your own stories, we do eventually would love to be able to have a listener's episode where we tell any of your guys' stories mm-hmm. that you send us, as well as we will probably share our own spooky and mm-hmm. creepy stories with you guys as well. Um, that would be at figuresinthedarkpodcast at gmail.com. Mm-hmm. But thank you for listening, and as always, beware the figures in the dark. Okay, bye. Bye. Thank <laughs> you.